our series, Seven Churches, and we got two more left. I promise we're going to make it through these by the end of the year. And we're going to be talking today about the Church of Philadelphia. And no, I'm not talking about Pennsylvania. I'm not talking about the uh, fans that throw batteries at people, the Phillies fans, Eagles fans. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about Philadelphia and what is today modern-day Turkey, which all of these churches were at. And in Revelation chapter 3, he says this to this church. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I want you to uh, notice a part of that verse that I'm kind of going to build off of. He says, I know that you have little power. And what scholars think is that this may have been a very small church, that this may have been a, a church that maybe today we would say is insignificant. Maybe they don't have a big building, maybe they don't have many people, and all of the things that we often attach to success of a church or anything else. But he is going to take that statement and then he's going to contrast it with the spiritual reality that they live in. And that is this, is that they are powerful. Amen. That they are influencers, that they uh, will have a lasting uh, impact and significance. Does anybody else want that in your life? <clears throat> How many knows that we are a part of a powerful church? Yeah. That you can, you can look and see, oh, we're, we're just a, a few people gathering to get today in a small town and in the middle of a cornfield, or you, we can say, no, we have power with God and we can move heaven today. Come on, how many knows that you're a part of a powerful church, a powerful people of God? <clears throat> and in verse eight, he, he says, you think you have little power, but I'm gonna show you the power that you have. <clears throat> And he says this, in, in, in verse seven, if we could go back to that, he says, I have the key of David, and I'm the one who opens and no one can shut. How I many of us, if God is opening doors for you, nobody can shut them. Amen. If God is providing opportunities for you, nobody can stop it. He's the one that opens and no one can shut. And he says, I have the key of David. The first point I want to give us today is this, receive your keys. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, do you know where your keys are at? Some of you started early and you thought you knew what I was going to say, but ask, ask the person next to you, do you have your keys? At about 9.40, Danielle called me and we did not know where our keys were. And I had to guide her to a specific outfit to go to find the keys because how many knows if you don't have your keys, you can't go anywhere. And Jesus said, I have the key of David. And that represents this. David was a prototype of Christ. He was the prototype of the Messiah. And it's through the Messiah that we enter into the promises of God. 
And we have the keys to the kingdom here today. We have the key of David. Keys give access to what nobody else can have access to. Not everybody in here, very few people, matter of fact, only one person has a key to my house. And I love you all, but I don't want just anybody walking in my house. I don't want just anybody having access to my house. And here's what we have to understand is that we have the keys to the access to God's house. We have keys to the access of God's kingdom, and it's here today. And this scripture is a, this statement that, that Jesus makes here is a reference back to Isaiah 2, in which it talks about somebody is going to come who is going to open the doors to the access to the kingdom of God. He's a, an official in the royal household, household of Israel, and he will exercise the king's authority, and he will do so with firm control. He will let in who needs to be in. He will shut out what needs to be shut out, and that is a prophecy of Jesus. Now, all of this is important because there's a, a scripture in Matthew chapter 16. And one day Jesus is walking along with his disciples and they're talking about all the rumors that are going on and what everybody is saying about him. And Jesus turns to them, he says, but who do you say that I am? They say I'm this, they say I'm that. Who do you say that I am? And Peter tells him, Lord, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, God in the flesh. And he says, very good, Peter. And he says this, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the what? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And here's what we have to understand, that Peter was the first one to receive these keys. And it was Peter that on the day of Pentecost would preach Jesus. He would preach the first sermon. And he would preach the identity of Jesus. He would preach the work of Jesus. And they would ask him in the crowd, and they were convicted in their heart, what shall we do then? And here's what Peter's going to do. He's going to pull out those keys. And he's going to hand out those keys. You see, God's not like me. He doesn't want just one other person having a key to his house. He's like, Oprah, you want one? You want one? You want a key? Do you want a key? Anybody in here can have a key. It's in the house today. We have the key of David. And Peter said this, repent. What does that mean? Turn around. Turn from sin. Turn from wrong thinking. Make Jesus the Lord of your life, not just in word, but in, in heart and in action. Repent. And be baptized, what, in every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's, here's what we got to realize. Those keys just weren't for the people on the day of Pentecost. we got to keep reading because he says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for who are all afar off. And everyone whom the Lord our God shall cause himself. You know what that means? That means you. Anybody glad today you got your keys? How many has received the keys to the kingdom? Here's what we, we just got to receive our keys. You might come in here, the most disadvantaged person in the world. 
You might come in here today with so many things against you. But I think what Jesus would tell you is, is what he's telling this church in Philadelphia. You're powerful. Why? Because you got the key of David. And I'm opening doors that no one can shut. This week, Elise came up to me and she said, Daddy, why you baptize? Why you baptize? And I was trying to explain to her in a way that a four-year-old would understand. And she said, Daddy, I want to be baptized. How many wants your kids to have these keys? I want to pass these keys down generationally. Why? Because we may not be the smartest bunch in the group, smartest uh, family in the world. We might not be the most impressive. We might not have the most money, but we got our keys. You've got to have your keys. The key of David is in this place. And he, he told Peter, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to heaven. And from those keys, there comes access and power. He says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, you're powerful. Peter, you have access to divine authority. And that's why we prayed for Ukraine uh, a few minutes ago. And and I'm just rejecting all this stuff. Well, it's going to happen in the book of Revelation anyway. So why pray? Just be quiet. Come on, we got to pray. If we believe that we have the power to change things, let's pray. If not, let's not pray. If we don't believe that if we bind it in heaven, if we bind it on earth, it can be bound in heaven, let's all just go home. But I believe today that we are a part of a powerful church that can call out upon the name of the Lord and can change things today. Come on. How many believes that? How many believes that prayer changes things? That if we bind it on earth, it can be bound. When we agree with the word and authority of Jesus, things change. Why? Because we got keys. I want to tell you something. The the people in government don't have the keys. The people on TV don't have the keys. We have the keys here today. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're powerful. We're powerful today. We, we're, we're partnering with God. And, and here's what God is saying. Whatever doors you open, I'll open. Amen. Whatever doors you close, I'll close. Amen. I believe that we can walk in kingdom authority right. and see things change. Yes, I believe Jesus is coming back. Yes, I believe it's going to get bad. But you know, wherever I go, it gets better. Wherever I go, a bad situation gets better. Why? Because I've got the kingdom on my side. I've got keys in my pocket. So the first thing we got to do is we got to receive our keys. Number two, we got to walk through the open door. We got to walk through the open door. He he tells them, "I, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one, everybody say nobody, can shut. The government can't shut it. The bank can't shut it. Why? Because he's got the keys and he can open doors for us that nobody can shut. And what this is speaking of 
precisely isn't so much opportunities, it's talking about access to heaven. That when he opens access to heaven, nobody can shut it. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus brings us access to heaven. And the open door is this, it's access to miracles, it's access to provision, it's access to empowerment. And that's what he's trying to tell this church in Philadelphia. You might be small in the world's eyes, but I've opened up the heavens to you. You have access to miracles. We, we've already heard about the miracle for our good friend, Brother Rex, back there. Come on, somebody. Let's give God one more praise about that. Yeah. You, you see, we, we, we have access to what doctors can't give. And I'm not against doctors. I love doctors. They help save my little boy and little girl's life. Matter of fact, we need to honor all of our medical people. They've had a rough two years. We're thankful for them. But here, here's what we got to realize, is that when we feel small, I've got to look up to heaven and realize heaven's open to me. Amen. Ephesians chapter two says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness to us. And I want you to see this. He says that we're seated there now. We're not waiting for the end of Revelation. We're not waiting for Jesus to come back and all those things which will happen. It's a reality right now. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I have access to him. He'll say, uh, Paul will say elsewhere, come boldly into the throne room. Why? Because I'm an heir. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And I might just be a normal person to the rest of the world, but I'm a son and daughter of God, and I have, I'm powerful. I have access to things other people don't have access to. And I want to I show you today how to walk through that open door of heaven. If it's available, if God is saying, come on in, how do we get there? Well, number one, give. You want to see heaven open up? Give. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. In other words, God says, try me. And I see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you down a blessing until there is no more need. If you want the heavens to open up, give. If you wanna walk in the riches of God, not only naturally, but supernaturally, give back to him first. It's a scriptural principle. Why? Because when we give, we are walking in the very nature of God, and that is to give. For God so loved the world lot that he gave his only begotten son. Number two, gather. If you want to see the heavens open up for you, do what you're doing right now and come to God's house with God's people. 
How many felt whatever it was that moved in the room a few minutes ago? Yeah. <clears throat> and if you don't know what that is, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's an open heaven. That's what happened in this room a few minutes ago. The heavens opened up. And then when the heavens open up, people can be healed. When the heavens open up, we can get a hold of God and, and things that have hold us, held us back and generational curses can be broken in a second. How many seen God do that in the middle of a service? You've seen God change your life. Why? Because we're gathered together in God's presence. <clears throat> Now, I want you to see this a couple chapters later after Matthew 16, Jesus elaborates on what he had already said. He said, truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he says this, again, truly, I tell you, if any two on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them in my father's, uh, it'll be done for them um, by my father in heaven. For whether two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. In other words, heaven's opened. Because if Jesus were physically here right now, anything would be possible, right? Here's the good news. He is here right now. He is here right now. And Jesus said to his disciples, look, wherever two or three of you get together, and you start to pray, it can happen. That's power. That's powerful. And I think there's more than two and three here today. And so I, I'm just crazy enough to believe if, if two or three gathered together and prayed for the Ukraine. Let me correct myself, Ukraine. It's not the Ukraine, it's just Ukraine. I could go on why that's important, but that. When we pray for the Ukraine, <laughs> there I did it again. <laughs> it's just natural to say it that way. When we pray for things, right. Come on. when we pray for stuff, where, wherever two or three men gather together on a weekend, yeah. God can change things. Yeah. God can change families. Yeah. God can change the future. Yeah. You know why some of you have lost your power? You've stopped gathering. Come on. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. I need you. You need me so that we can gather together and agree in his name. And he's willing and able to do it right now. Does anybody need anything from God right now? Just lift up your hands right now. We're gathered together. Let's agree in the name of Jesus. I pray healing. God, I pray, God, provision. I pray empowerment. God, I pray, Lord, anything that's needed, God, we pray it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. <clears throat> Another way that we walk through the open door of heaven is this, an awareness of God's presence. An awareness of God's presence. Has anybody ever been in a situation that you hated it, you were mad at God, and then you, you looked back and you're like, God was in the middle of that the right. whole time. Right. Every time I prayed and I didn't feel anything, he was working, he was behind the scenes, moving things around, he was doing a work in me and I was too stupid to know it. 
and, and I, I was relying on my own wisdom and I was relying on my own strength, but even despite that, he was still with me. He was still for me. He was still fighting my battles. And here's what I want to tell you today. You might be going through the trial of your life. Jesus is there. You might be running from God. Anybody else ever ran from God? You can leave here today and go straight to the bar. And he's going to tap you on the shoulder and he's going to say, still here. I'm still here. You can do whatever you want to do. He, he's like that annoying parent that just knows when to call you right when you're about to do something wrong. I never did that. But just to let you know, I'm still here. I'm still with you. There's a story the Bible about a man named Jacob who was running from his past. He was on a journey and he didn't even know where he was going. And he falls asleep on a rock and he has this vision of the heavens opening and there's these angels going up and down and God gives him a promise. And Jacob, his name means supplanter. He wasn't a good person. <laughs> He's kind of person that will turn your head, he'll do you wrong. But God still gave him promises and God was still with him. Amen. And I want you to see when Jacob wakes up from his dream in Genesis 18, says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. There's been times in my life where I felt like it was an uphill battle and I, I felt defeated, felt like my prayers weren't being heard. Then on the other side of that, when things changed, I, I looked back and, and in that struggle, God was with me and, and really God's presence was just as strong as it ever was. Amen. Yeah. I want to tell somebody, God's with you. That struggle you feel, that's God saying, I want you. I want more. I'm going to take you through some things. Uh, if we could show this picture, and I tell this story probably once a year, and if you get tired of it, well, you're just going to have to find a new pastor because I love it. But <clears throat> some of you know my, my son George was in the NICU for four months. It was just really dark time. It looked like things were going worse. Every day things got worse. And they were talking about flying him to Boston for this radical surgery and questions like, how do we get there? How do we pay for it? And there was no promise it was even going to work. What do we do when we get him home? And you, this hallway you see is the NICU hallway at St. John's Hospital. And that was my war room. When everybody else would go home for the night, I would walk these halls like a madman, praying under my breath. God, touch my boy. <clears throat> I'm sorry.
And the nurses walking by would think, who is this crazy person? <laughs> Some of you have seen what I pray. Like I, I kind of walk and I get in my own little world. <clears throat> but that became, that hallway became my gateway to heaven. I knew every night if I could just make it to that hallway. God would meet me there. And I don't know what your hallway is. But I can't look at that nondescript, nasty, smelly hospital hallway without crying. Because I, I've had a lot of victories here. Had a lot of great things happen here. But nothing like there. God had to put me in that place so I could feel him. I'm sorry, I'm a mess. So I could feel him like I've never felt him before. And we had to take George up for a checkup when he was healed, which by the way, that's the end of the story, God miraculously healed him. Amen. And he's got to have some keys. Because God's got a special purpose for him. But we took him back for a checkup, and as soon as I walked in that hallway, I felt it. And I told Danielle, I said, It's so weird, I missed this hallway. Like, I want to ask him, can I just come up and walk in this hallway after hours? And I just want to tell you today, whatever you're going through, God's there. Amen. Little Church of Philadelphia, it doesn't look like you're important. It doesn't look like anybody cares. You have an open heaven. Amen. Young people, don't you ever forget that. You go to college, nobody else is around, you have an open heaven. You find a prayer closet. You find a war room. You get a hold of God. Why? Because you have keys. He sees you. You're important. You're powerful. You have a purpose. Number three, you gotta receive your new name. Receive your new name. He continues on to the church of Philadelphia. He says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. My own new name. He says, I'm gonna write your name on your forehead. I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna mark you. And I just wanna tell you, if you got this mark, you don't have to worry about the other mark. If you have the name of Jesus, he says, I'm gonna write on you my name, the name of Jesus. And he says this, I, I, I'm gonna give you my own new name. God is going to change not only our name, but 
prophetically somewhere along, he'll have a new name. I don't know what that means, but we'll find out. But here's, here's how we get that new name. When we surrender him to him, we repent, make him Lord of life. We go down in the waters of baptism. We're given a new name. And here's what's important about a name. It signifies identity and whose we are. Revelation 14, 1, it says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. See, we've got to have those keys. We've got to walk through that heavenly door, and we've got to have that name. The name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus can change our identity. I want you to see in Matthew chapter 16, going back to that story we were talking about where Peter was given the keys. Well, before that, God changed his name. Jesus changed his name. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or that you're one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And I want you to see this. His name was Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're not Simon Barjona anymore. You're Peter, which means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God changed Peter's name. He said, Simon Barjona, which means God has heard, has been changed to rock. He said, Peter, you're not going to be that person that's undependable anymore, and you're not going to be that person that vacillates anymore, but I'm going to make you into a rock, and, and upon your revelation that you've received of who I am, that I am God in the flesh, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we see all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, God changes people's names. He changes Abram to Abraham. He changes Sarai to Sarah. He changes Jacob, which means supplanter, and he changes him to Israel. He changes uh, people's names so that he can give them a clue of their destiny, of who they are. That Jacob was no longer supplanter. He was no longer the deceiver who would cheat people, but he became Israel, someone who wrestles and champions with God. Now, I want to tell you today that somebody in here today, God has some keys for you. He has an open heaven for you, and he has a new name for you, and that name is Jesus. That name... It's the name above every other name because when we agree with him, we make him Lord of our life and we're baptized into his identity. We're no longer supplanter. We're no longer deceiver. We're no longer what our friends have called us. You're no longer what your mom and dad called you. None of those nicknames, that derogatory nicknames that people put on you that you never wanted in the first place, none of it matters anymore when we go under the water in the name above every other name. We have a new identity and a new person. We stand to our feet right now. How many is thankful for that name today? How many is thankful for that God identity?
You see, one day, I, I really believe this, and we see this elsewhere in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is going to give us a name for us that only he has. A personalized name that tells us who we really are. What we really are going to do. What we're true, our true destiny is, which is to rule and reign with him. And so today I, I, I say I am important. To you, I say you are powerful. You might not have the keys to the city, but you got the key to heaven. You've got an open door that nobody can shut. Whether it's in a NICU of a hospital, nobody can shut that door. And I just wanna tell us today that we used that door this week. When I heard about Brother Rex this week, we immediately, my wife and I went to prayer. Why? Because there's an open heaven. There's an open door. If we don't believe that, let's just stop praying. Let's just stop believing. But I've seen too much as we sung about earlier. He's too good not to believe. He's too good to stop praying, to stop believing. So today, I just wanna open up this altar today so somebody wants to get your keys. Somebody that needs to get a hold of God. Maybe you're like Jacob, you're running from God. You're not living right. We've all been there. What I tell you is that more time than once I've seen God move, meet me in this altar when I didn't deserve it. There's times in my life where I prayed and I wasn't living right, but behold, God was there and I knew it not. He still met me where I was. Today, if somebody wants to, a new name, come up here, repent, give your life to God, we'll baptize you today. You say, well, I don't have clothes. Guess what? We've already thought about it. We have clothes. If you want to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, come to this altar today. Come on. Get hold of God and see that heaven's open in your life. Can we lift up our hands all over this place right now? Can we flood these altars? Come on, can we just say, God, I need you today. God, I know, God, that I'm powerful in you. God, I know what my identity is in you. Come on, somebody come to this place today. Come to this altar and take kingdom authority and say, I know, God, that you hear me when I pray, God, because I'm your son, I'm your daughter. If you need a miracle today, you get to this altar. If you need a touch from God, you get to this altar. Why? Because he's here. He's here. He's for us. In the name of Jesus, come on, let's lift up our hands as we sing this. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Come on, let's sing it.